Hello and welcome back to The Weakest Link. I'm your host, Lucia Martinez. Woo! 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 I love The Weakest Link! I am your other host, Jaren Kai. Today we will be eliminating someone and testing how long they can live in a shark tank before dying. Woo! Who will the lucky person be? Find out after this commercial break on The Weakest Link. Do you feel lonely? Empty? Sad? Like killing yourself? Well, before you do that, and we lose another listener, here is what will happen on tonight's youth radio show. We have a bootylicious PRX piece picked by Michael Harley. We have a arg esque roundtable about Pirates of the Caribbean with Kyle Ferris. Arg! Oh, and a special guest piece from Santa Teresa Dana Ana Action for Youth, part of the New Mexico Civic Engagement Summer Institute. Dun-dun-dun-dun! And now back to the weakest link. Ha 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 ha! Woo! Hi, welcome back. We would like to start sending people to the Shark Tank, but sadly, our lawyers say that we have to go to music with our lovely and vicious shark wrangler who will play some traditional Scottish folk music because she's Asian. Haha, <laughs> Tracy, take it away! Hi, everyone. I'll be your music host along with Mina tonight. We have some awesome music lined up. My list will be all Eurodance. Sorry. Aww. No, Scottish. <laughs> Which is... Eurodance, which is one of my favorite genres. Youth Radio has never played this type of music, and some of you may not have even heard of Eurodance. So tonight I'll be fulfilling your ears with some fun tunes. The song up next is Deci Cinto Mille by Brothers. The song title translates out to be Ten Hundred Thousands. It's one of my favorite songs, so I hope you enjoy. is just around the corner and with it you can be sure that your new teachers will have plenty of essay topics but what but have you ever thought of selling your grade a papers to others that's right giving away your hard work for money alaska teen media institute's katie zagger thought about doing just that here she is to share her experience you know what's a real shame you no i think it's a shame that after four years of hard work we have nothing to do with our long and boring a worthy term papers but burn them I think you might be the only one that does that, because you're a pyro. But Katie Zager is here to tell us about how aid papers can be rewarding more than once. Wow, I really need to get some money this summer. But between travel and camp, I don't have enough time for a full-time job. The solution to this problem came to me one day while I was simultaneously doing my homework and looking for a job. I decided that I could sell all of my old grade A, essays and term papers, online to websites that in return promise to send me a nice little check every month. My essays, Academen and 123HelpMe, are all dot-com businesses that are part of, and this is for real, an online industry that buys, sells, and trades student papers from all around the world. 
Some websites offer tens of thousands of papers for download, and some of these sites promise earnings of up to one thousand dollars a month, depending on how good your paper is and how many people actually download it. But while looking around, I found the important information not on some fancy banner, but buried under pages of frequently asked questions. The truth is that most sites take a pretty hefty commission of up to fifty percent. So a perfectly average essay, such as mine, would only earn about one hundred dollars a month. Also buried on those sites are disclaimers like. This paper is to be used for research purposes only, but the sites have no control over what the customer actually does with them. Yeah, I'm sure that the average buyers really have the word research on their minds. Still, one hundred dollars a month for virtually no work is better than nothing. So I was ready to get started. I had several options as to where to sell my paper. Including auctioning off on eBay, but this is where I hit a few roadblocks. Most sites require you to be at least eighteen and preferably a college student. Academian.com has a fourteen-day review process to see if your paper achieves their standards. I wonder what such a committee would think of my old eighth-grade essay. My second option was eBay. CD-ROMs filled with papers sell for about five dollars, and judging by all of the positive feedback, it seemed to be a successful product. I hit a snag when filling out the seller ID page. I don't have a credit card, and unable to find anyone willing to lend me their credit information, immediately shot that idea out the window. You see, I didn't exactly have the full support of my mom. Who was morally opposed to helping anyone cheat, and as any teenager would, I simply dismissed this as my mother taking the moral high road, again. But as I started thinking about the prospect of some lazy kid out there getting credit for my work, and some shady website owner getting money for them, selling papers didn't seem like such a good idea anymore. However. I was determined to see this through, so I got a second opinion on selling papers from Chad Sant, my language arts teacher at Service High School. I think that you know there's something to be said about the lack of integrity within those people.、Um, you know the fact that they would kind of prostitute their work to allow anybody else to just、uh, you know kind of leech off of it to me is is pretty disgusting. From an intellectual integrity standpoint, so maybe selling my papers online wasn't the best idea I've ever had. But one thing I learned is that there's no easy way to make money without sacrificing something, be it a few hours of your valuable time, your pride, or your integrity. Maybe I should just get a real job after all. Anyone need a pet sitter? For at me. I'm Katie Zager. I would totally sell my A papers to a website for money. Unfortunately, a vicious shark ate all of my homework. Thanks to Katie Zager from Alaska Teen Media Institute for letting us use her piece. Now, here's Mina with some totally awesome music. Thank you, Jaren. <clears throat> 
Andrew McMahon, the voice, songwriting powerhouse, and keyboardist for Something Corporate, is now taking on another project called Jack's Mannequin, the band with which he's, pra he's practically lived for the past four years. Inspired by theme albums like the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds, their new album, Everything in Transit, weaves an autobiographical tale reflected in a storybook which is written into liner notes. Their tribute to the Beach Boys is best heard on the sad yet sunny song called Miss Delaney. Off their album, Everything in Transit, here's Jack's Mannequin with Miss Delaney. Spiders, an alternative rock band from Nashville, Tennessee, from, with their song Modern Swinger off their album titled Hot Pink. Now back to Jaren. As many listeners will no doubt be aware, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, contain sharks! Oh, and yeah, there's a little thing about it recently premiered in theaters. I don't know about that. Anyway, so far, the movie, reprising the characters from Curse of the Black Pearl, has been a squashingly awesome, argumentative success in the box offices. Captain Kyle Ferris is here to lead several of us in a discussion of Dead Man's Chess. Arg! Da 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 da! Thanks for that argumentative intro, Jaren. With me here are Jaren, Lucia, and Michael to discuss our opinions of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Hey guys! Hi! Hi! So, what were your initial reactions to hearing about a sequel to the first Pirates of the Caribbean, Lucia? Well, I was actually really excited because the first movie, I loved it. Especially because Johnny Depp was in it, and he's awesome. Just to let you know. Um, but I was really excited because I thought it would be very interesting. Uh, this is Jaren. I thought it was very uh, interesting and really cool that they were going to do a sequel. I mean, it was Disney, so you were kind of already expecting it anyway. But I thought it was really cool because uh, the it's got great kind of just, it's just got a really good story and really great characters and everything. So it, it had the recipe for a really good sequel. Hi, this is Michael. When I first heard that there was going to be a sequel for Pirates of the Caribbean, I wasn't exactly surprised because it is owned by Disney, and Disney always cashes in on sequels. So I wasn't surprised, but I was excited. But as time drew near for the movie to release, uh, my excitement kind of dwindled because it had been such a long wait. And so what did you think of the movie when you saw it? Uh, this is Michael. I thought the movie... I, I First, my initial reaction was, oh my gosh, this is so good. Look at all this action and things going on the screen. Um, but eventually, it did get to be a lot of action to sit through for such a long period of time. But it was still good. 
Um, I like Johnny Depp in it again. I don't think his jokes were as funny. And maybe that was just the audience participation. They weren't laughing very much. So, This is a jar of dirt. <laughs> if you don't want it, they give it back. No. no. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I really like Johnny Depp's performance, even his corny jokes. Because, well, I maybe if I was the only one laughing in the theater, I still liked him anyway. But I... I liked the movie, um, I guess I have to say overall, but the beginning was okay. I didn't really like the end. I really liked the middle, especially with the whole whatever the wooden wheel thing when they're like sword fighting in it. I thought that was funny. So I guess overall I liked it. This is Jared. Um, I liked it, I, especially, I mean, I thought the beginning was kind of slow, but what really sticks with me was kind of the imagery of uh, Elizabeth Swan sitting there on her wedding day just completely drenched from the rain and everything i thought it was just so beautiful and i thought it just kind of just kind of set the mood for like this is not going to be your happy-go-lucky ride adventure this is like kind of going to be a little darker and i think they kind of abandoned that with some of the jokes that johnny depp made but you know i think his character is naturally is a dark person so it just kind of has that dark sense of humor which for those people who kind of know me like my mom and dad they'll kind of say that that's my kind of dark sense of humor and for everyone listening at home if you didn't like the long drawn out fight between barbosa and jack at the end of curse of the black pearl some of the fights in dead man's chest draw on a little bit um there was one that we can recall where they're sword fighting on a wheel which lasts for something like half an hour but even regardless how did you guys think it compared to really to the first one uh this is jaren um i thought that it was okay I mean, it wasn't especially great, but, you know, it kind of stands as a sequel. Naturally, sequels aren't really as great as their successor, just because we know the characters and we kind of know what's going to happen and what their personalities are like. And we think that that's going to be great because we know them. But I think with this one, it just kind of brought it down a bit because it was like, you know, oh, well, these people are here. This is what they're doing now. It's never really as fresh. Yeah, and plus Disney just wanted to make money. I mean, that's naturally what they do. They're Disney. They need it. I liked the first movie more because it was fresh. Like, when it just came out, nobody really knew what was going to happen. Um, and you got to meet the, char- the characters, so it was more memorable. And the second one, um, we already knew everybody. So it, and it didn't really have, its plot wasn't that, it wasn't as rich as the first one. So I liked the first one better. This is Michael. I compared comparatively speaking, I liked the first one better just because, like Lucia said, it introduces characters and it had very original plot. Of course, it's based off of a Disney ride, but that had no plot. And um, the second one was more just leading up to the third one. That's what I f- felt when I left it. It wasn't as um, it was still adventurous and somewhat humorous, but it was just missing that certain spark that the first one had. It's a bridge. Mm -hmm. And what do you think about the villains? Like, how does Barbosa as a villain really compare to, say, Davy Jones? Well, this is Michael. And personally, I think Davy Jones is um, uh, a lot better than Barbosa just because he's this, not just by appearance, he has a really neat appearance. And, I mean, he can play the organ with his face. Not many can do that. Barbosa can't. Blasphemy. 
total blasphemy. But he also has this great sympathetic story behind him about how he cuts his heart out for the woman he loves. And not only does he have this connection to Jack for 13 years, and he's trying and he's trying to get Jack to repay his debt, but he also has his own personal story that also needs to be resolved somehow. Personally, I like Barbosa better. This is Jeremy, by the way. I like Barbosa better because he has that he has a more closer personal connection to Jack because because you know Jack kind of had the ship and Barbosa stole it and everything, and it was really integral to the plot. And whereas I couldn't really see where Davy Jones fit in, and I think that it really didn't. Davy Jones was a good villain, and I kind of attribute that to Bill Nye, the British actor who played him. But it's just, I didn't really like Davy Jones so much. I liked them both. I think they were both really good villains. But I, I kind of liked um, Davy Jones a little bit more because he had such a strange appearance and uh, interesting background. I personally, um, I don't know, I kind of think they both stand alone, but I think they're both pretty good villains. You know, you do have Barbosa with that sort of individual thing. He's more human. He's more real. You know, he doesn't have tentacles and squid things coming out of his face, which is just kind of strange. But at the same time, Davy Jones does does kind of that kind of far out attitude that makes a really good villain. And playing the organ with the face was just really cool. I have to agree there. Oh, Kyle, we all know you love the Kraken. Yes, and the Kraken <laughs> is the best. I have to tell everyone at home, the Kraken was the best character in the entire story. He stole the movie. He just completely blew it all away. He needs a spinoff. That's mm-hmm. it. We'll just call it the Kraken. <laughs> there is actually a movie like that. <laughs> so. This is a question more for Michael because as many people in youth radio and maybe beyond will know, Michael is a total Disney buff. He has, I think, every Disney movie that was ever made, even the horrible sequels like Bambi 2. No, I don't have that one. Liar. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a question, Michael. What do you think was really the underlying theme of the movie? What was the moral? Well, and we discussed this before. It's um, A lot of people, when they think of Disney movie, they think, oh, it's a kiddie movie. And with Pirates of the Caribbean, despite that it's rated PG-13, people just go to see it initially for the adventure, and they don't look for the morals when they first view it. But I think the moral for Pirates of the Caribbean 2 really is to live up to one's responsibility and to learn to make right choices amidst everybody else doing the wrong thing. It's easier to go with the grain, but um, it shows a lot more courage to go against the grain, and that certainly what Captain Jack does at the end. Booty. It's all about the booty. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much for that comment, Jaren. So how do you think, and this is an open question, how do you think all the different characters exemplified or um, even fell to that? I think that, you know, Captain Jack just has this responsibility. He doesn't know that he has these responsibilities. He thinks that just because he's a cutthroat pirate, he can be heartless and ruthless and just totally ignore every rule in the book but whereas you kind of start to see that in some ways he cares about these characters because they save his butt every now and then this is michael i also think other characters show too such as um elizabeth because there's a conflict with her initial um romantic involvement she initially of course in the first movie loved will and now she's kind of going over to jack and you're left wondering whether she'll kind of go back to what her initial um, choice was and if she's going to decide to act like a pirate 
or do the responsible thing and go to the person that she already was betrothed to and truly loved. So there's a question of whether she'll follow what she seemed to, what seemed to be her responsibility. Yeah. Um, well, I don't really think that she was ever really going after Jack. I just think that she was messing around with him and trying to get him to follow his responsibilities because he's been running from responsibility his whole life. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you all very much for sharing your opinions on Dead Man's Chest. Uh, for those playing along at home, Dead Man's Chest has now grossed over $384 million to counterbalance its budget cost of $225 million. The third installation, and hopefully the last, of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies will premiere next summer. For KUNM Youth Radio, I'm Kyle Ferris. Thanks to Captain Kyle Jack Ferris, First Mate Michael Mr. Gibbs Harley, the Sea Monster Jaren Kraken Kai, and me, myself, and I for sharing their views on the newly released Pirates of the Caribbean film. Sound familiar? I'm pretty sure a lot of you have heard this catchy tune called Dragosta Dinte, also known as the Numa Numa song. It's been played all over the internet. The most famous video was of a guy named Gary Bosma who lip syncs to the song. Hello. Salut. Sunt eu un haiduk. Și te But I wanted you guys to hear another song by Ozone, the group who sung Dragostad Dinte. Here they are with Despretine. <laughs> Sunland Park is a growing border city located 5 miles from Santa Teresa, New Mexico, and 10 miles from El Paso, Texas. High teen pregnancy rates and unemployment rate higher than the state average are two central issues which teens from Sunland Park say affect their everyday lives. Five teens from the Southern Doña Ana Action for Youth talk to Roberta Rayel about what it takes to make a difference in their community. Hi, my name is Vanessa Sanchez and I'm 13 years old. Hi, my name is Jesus Sanchez, and I'm 15 years old. Hello, my name is Raquel Garcia, and I'm 16 years old. Hey, I'm Julia Garcia, and I'm 16 years old. Hello, hi, my name is Melissa, and I am 17 years old. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the community that you come from? Well, basically, our community is a variety of different levels of income and status. We have basically a low income status and a middle class and a high class. Um, our community, we would say it is probably probably the youngest one being that uh, we're still prob possibly like 
in big renovations and uh, construction. So we're barely getting started. It's been around probably, uh, probably possibly like 10 years tops. And uh, we're getting started. We're getting new schools. Um, we're getting um, more jobs. And we need this being that we're so close to the border. This is Vanessa. Our community, Sunland Park, actually grows more each year. And we are divided into three parts. One is Sunland Park, and that's where we live. Santa Teresa is where the rich people live, and that's where we go to school. So what have you been able to do with Action for Youth? What have been some of the things that you've accomplished in this one year of working with this organization? This is Jesus. Well, everything started a year ago. We didn't have anything to do. We were always bored. We met Lily Morena and April Stamper, and they told us about the program. Soon after, we started to do a lot of things for the community, like cleaning graffiti, gift bags for kids during Christmas, and, well, we've done a lot to help the community. This is Vanessa. We've also visited the Child Crisis Center that's in El Paso, and we also do community service, like cleaning graffiti and collecting trash. Okay, and then for the other three of you, Julia, Raquel, and Melissa, uh, you've been involved for two months, so why don't you talk to us about what you have done in these two months? This is Raquel. Um, in these two months, we've been in like meetings with um, Sherry and April and Mike, and they just tell us of how other youth groups are helping to improve their communities, and we got involved. We really wanted to make a difference, and um, we came up with a survey to see what teens really do want to make a difference on or what do they want to change about the community. And we found that in the survey, the most important thing or the most everybody had in common with was the high teen pregnancy rate and the fact that there's not many places to hang out. Uh, this is Melissa. Well, we are also basically trying to raise money to make like a trustworthy multi-purpose room for people that want to go, teenagers that want to go play around there. We're going to have games, activities, many activities that make this better for our community for them to hang around. So they could, they could provide something that gets them away from bad influences in our community, like drugs, violence, alcohol, and many other bad influences. Raquel, let me ask you, in your school district, if you now know that teen pregnancy is a problem because you have the survey and you have the data from the survey, but I'm interested in knowing personally how has the problem of teen pregnancy impacted you as a young teenage female? Well, as a young teenage female in my school, I feel really down that so many girls are being are getting pregnant, even though there is somewhat of awareness. 
there's so many girls that, in my point of view, are ruin their lives, taking care of children, having to take care of their family first instead of getting a real education and not worrying about anything else but succeeding. So I believe that we can make a difference. We should make it more aware that it, it's not a really good way to go. I mean, I think it's better to get an education, go to college, and then if you would like, raise your own family. But at this young age, I don't think it's right that girls should be getting pregnant and start thinking of other stuff besides school. Jesus, I want to ask you the same question from a male perspective. How has the issue of teen pregnancy impacted you personally? How has it touched you in your own personal life? This is Jesus. Well, it's affected me because I see my friends, and some of my friends are already dads, and they've ruined their lives. They didn't think right, and now they have to face the consequence. What is it that you think would help to prevent teen pregnancy that you as a youth group um, through Action Through Youth could do? Uh, this is Melissa. Well, I think that we could prevent pregnancies by talking to teens, especially girl teens, because, I mean, they're the ones that have the babies, they carry the babies with them nine months, and we have we want to let them know what the feeling is by bringing other teenager mothers and talking to them to compare what the difference is, you know, once they have the baby, how how does their life change dramatically? So other teenagers will know about that and they're going to literally get that in their mind. They're like, oh, well, I don't want to have a baby now. You know, I want to have fun. You know, I don't want to mess up my life and start working at a low payment job to raise my family. So just along the lines of teen pregnancy, why do you think there's such a high rate of teen pregnancy in your school? Uh, this is Julia. Well, being one, um, our sex ed education classes aren't really that um, informative uh, to teenagers. They may not provide adequate information about contraceptives, um, abstinence, and you know, they don't show the aftermath of having a kid having to work, having to support that family that you just um, just started. Um, and uh, teenagers aren't, aren't aware, and that's probably the main reason, awareness. Jesus, can you tell me about one of your friends who has a baby? Well, he's in school and is working nights. That's what he's told me. Uh, this is Julia. Yes, I have possibly... Uh, I think that's five girls, especially from our school, being the fact that uh, they got pressured into having a, a relationship with the boyfriend. Um, if they didn't have a sexual intercourse, he was going to leave her, and they did. And they, they weren't aware of condoms and being the fact that uh, they just didn't... Well, Basically, her his her boyfriend didn't believe in condoms, so they they just went at it, and now she's pregnant. And the fact being that since I think the male he since he doesn't believe in condoms, I am I think he uh, 
has some sort of STD as of right now. Another reason is that the economy is bad in Sunland Park. I've heard from some girls that say that they want to have a baby to get welfare and food stamps in order to help their families so they don't have so many problems. Um, well, this is Melissa. I have about six friends that are girls that are pregnant and four friends, guy friends that have babies already. This is Raquel. I think a solution for um, decreasing the t teen pregnancy rate would be to not only give classes of child care and child development, but to show the actual reality and how, how people live life by having a baby at such a young age, as well as showing them about contraceptions, how they're used, how they can prevent pregnancy, and um, not only just distribute them like in school nurses, but anywhere where it can be available, like in restrooms and such. Uh, this is Julia. I guess the biggest issue would be providing facts, providing information to students, giving them consequences, giving them, you know, the knowledge to be aware of what's going on, of of consequences, of reality, of life. Um, this is Melissa. Well, two big solutions that I think might help a lot would be getting teenagers involved more in activities because basically that takes a lot of time of time off of you the activities so that will make you think less about sex and drinking and other things like that you know do you have something that you would like to say to the 15 the 16 and the 17 year olds who already have children I would just like to say that even though you took that decision to have a baby and to completely change your life upside down. You took the decision and now you have to strive to better yourself as well as your kid and to try to look for more opportunities between the community or wherever you can find them to help improve yourself and not just go the easy way out to just drop out. Instead, try to finish your schooling no matter what. That's like the most important. Get a better education so that way you have a better chance to get a higher pay raise to not only help yourself, but your family. So in 15 years from now, you continuing this work and you getting other young people involved, what's your community going to look like? Uh, this is Julia. I personally think that this is a great organization, and if it keeps going like this, it's going to be awesome for our kids, the future generation of the U.S., uh, not just government-wise, economically and uh, we're gonna be up there we're gonna be striving for the best and that's what we really want the best for our future thank you any last thoughts or comments before we close up well I just want to say that whoever wants to be involved in a youth organization like we are I mean look for it in your community. I am pretty sure you'll find it. You'll get help. And I mean, try your best in everything so you can be successful in life. I just want to like say it out to the community that the more people are involved, the louder our voice gets. We need people to become involved. We can 
make more changes with more voices, it becomes a louder, more united voice. And being as teenagers, I feel that if we do get together, we can make a big difference and not just, I guess, statewide, nationwide. And this is a change and this is a change for the good. Making Ourselves Voices of Engagement was a theme of New Mexico's Civic Engagement Statewide Annual Institute held in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Special thanks to all the youth who are involved with making a difference in their community. This piece was produced by Roberto Real and edited by Mercedes Mejia. Support for KUNM FM and Inspired Leadership. For Youth Radio, I'm Jaren Kai. Oh, also, thanks to Diana Barrymore and Michael Harley for voiceover. Now, we will send it on over to the ever-so-lovely Mina Lee for Calendar. This is your Youth Radio Weekly Calendar. I'm Mina Lee. As part of the Zoo Music Concert Series, Crooked Still, an alternative bluegrass group, will be performing at the Zoo on Friday, August 4th at 7 p.m., Antigone Rising, an original pop rock band, will perform on Friday, August 11th at 7 p.m., also at the Rio Grande Zoo. For more information, call 768-2000 or visit www.cabq.gov biopark. On August 12th, Off Center Community Studio will be presenting We Art the People Folk Art Festival. For more information on this event, please call 505-247-1172. The Green Cards are on tour with Bob Dylan and Willie Nelson this summer and with Casey Chambers this fall. The Green Cards will be in concert on Thursday, August 3rd at 7.30 p.m. at the North 4th Theater. For more information, go to abqmusic.com. Guerrilla Tango Comedy Theater presents the children's classic The Adventures of Mr. Toad, Fridays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays and Sundays at 2 p.m. For more information, please visit GorillaTango.com. At the Launchpad on Tuesday, August 1st, Sparta and August Spies will be performing at 8 p.m. This is an all-ages concert. For more information, visit LaunchpadRocks.com. On Friday, August 5th, Albuquerque will be hosting Latinos Unidos 2006 tour featuring Tony Touch, DJ Kane, and Aztec. For more information, visit www.latinsunite.com. At the Blue Dragon Coffee House on Wednesdays, there will be an open mic night from 6.45 to 10 p.m. This is an all-ages event. For all you living in Lincoln, New Mexico from August 4th through 6th, you can attend Old Lincoln Days, including the Billy the Kid pageant, a Fiddler's Contest, food, a parade, and much more. For more information, visit www.sonewmexico.com. In Alto, New Mexico, from Saturday to Sunday, August 5th through 6th, Alto Artist Studio Tour will be from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. For more information, please visit www.altoartist.com. Working Classroom presents Yemaye's Valley. Performances are on Sunday, August 6th at 2 p.m. For more information, visit www.altoartist.com workingclassroom.org or call 242-9267. This has concluded your Youth Radio Weekly Calendar. 
If you missed any of our events, you can see them on our website at www.kunm.org slash youth radio. If you have any events that you would like for us to announce in next week's calendar, feel free to email us at youthradio at kunm.org or at our message board at www.kunm.org slash youthradio. Now back to your host. Hey, Lucia. Yes, Jaren? Do you know what time it is? Is it time to party? Well, no. After we're done with this, it's time to start feeding the sharks! Woot! It's time to party. It's time to party. Or die in someone else's case. But anyway, party! First in our amazingly random draw of shark food, we will feed them Kyle Ferris, who is our producer and also facilitator of the roundtable on Pirates of the Caribbean. Second in our deadly race of life is Michael Harley, who by the way is a shark catcher and evidently your engineer. Also a pirate expert for the roundtable. The lovely and amazingly juicy Mina Lee was co-music host along with calendar hosting, and she was specially seasoned for our Hammerhead Sharks enjoyment. For the special Asian shark steak recipe, go to our website at www.kunm.org slash youthradio. Our Asian Scottish folk music listening European dance girl music host and shark wrangler was that viciously awesome Tracy Tram. The NMCE Santa Teresa piece was edited by the Tasty, Tasty Mercedes Mejia. Voiceover done by Michael Harley and Diana Baron Moore. Other adult conspirators currently being tortured by our lovely sharks are Marcus Martinez, Roberta Real, Steve Emmons, and Chris Pino. Other members in Youth Radio. And the weakest link are Shatane Tuck, Philip Riley, Mars Jalan, Avikar Lucky, Diana Barrymore, and Paolo Castillo, who escaped a fishy fate. We, we are, are your shark-obsessed, pirate-loving host. Arg! <laughs> I was the sea monster of a host, Jaren Kai. And I am the never-damsel-in-distress, Lucia Martinez. Next up, it's a shark-infested spoken word. Peace out. <laughs> 